Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 115. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Tyler Tate of the band Hollow Front. Um, they've got an awesome new album getting ready to drop in about a little over a month right now. Um, so on May the 27th via UNFD, The Price of Dreaming by Hollow Front Drops, um, had a great time talking with Tyler. We talked about the new music, the new singles, being out on the road, um, all the tour possibilities that come with being <laughs> attached to a label like UNFD, um, and so much more. It was just a really, really incredible conversation. Um, huge shout out to Tyler for taking the time to have that conversation with me. Um, it was on one of their days off while he was in Panama City, Florida. I think it was Panama City, Florida. Regardless, he was in Florida, and he took time out of being at a beach so that he could have the conversation with me. And I just, you know, really appreciate that. And I hope you guys do too. Um, so yeah, let's just dive into it. Let's jump into my conversation with Tyler Tate of the band Hollow Front. Um, so yeah, to start off with, I do ask the same boring ass question every time. Uh, that's the simple introduction, man. Who are you? What do you do in the band? And just a little background on yourself. Uh, I'm Tyler Tate. I'm the, the lead vocalist, uh, the harsh vocalist, I guess is what people would call me, um, of Holofront. I, uh, what was the other question? <laughs> Just a little background on yourself. Like you, uh, you guys have been together for a little while, but like you specifically have, this isn't your first rodeo, right? Like music's been in your blood for a while. Yeah. Yeah. This is my 18th year, uh, doing music. Uh, hollow front's my 12th band. Um, yeah. It's my only successful one, <laughs> at least getting there. Um, yeah, Holofront started like six years ago, but I've been doing music since I was 14 and I'm 31, about to be 32. So, Awesome. Um, so we were just joking about the Midwest. Tell me a little bit about, so like the Midwest has always been this really cool, like eclectic thing where... You have, you know, some really cool metalcore bands, some really cool pop punk bands. Like what's kind of inspired you as you've come up, you know, over these 18 years to say, like, this is my sound. This is where I want to be um, versus all the the melting pot of options that you had. I feel like it kind of just came naturally. Uh, I think I stopped. I probably when this band started, I was kind of past the you know having influences i was in my mid-20s um I, my main influences like just that made me start doing this were like Corey taylor chester bennington um and like in metalcore like uh kill switch engage like those kind of like that kind of a band but by the time hollow front started i kind of was like just gonna do whatever i want <laughs> um not really try to because i would say that i probably in my earlier years tried to mimic you know, people like tried to not like completely, but like kind of like, oh, I like their like Phil Bozeman was one at one point. I was like, I really like his screams. So I started to do more like gutturals and like that kind of a stuff. And I just got to a point where it's like, I'm just a scream with emotion. Um, that's just kind of how I came to be doing the the type of screaming that I do in this band. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and let's talk a little bit about that. You know, I don't normally get into this too much, but a lot of non-metal fans assume that you're just, uh, he's just screaming and yelling, like, but there's a lot that goes into learning how to properly scream and not wreck your voice completely. What do you do as like warm ups and like training techniques? Obviously now you've done it enough where it's kind of second, second nature, but like, what do you do so that you're not just killing yourself every night? Uh, drink as much water as possible. Even then, even though I still struggle with that sometimes gotta be like a mental clock, be like, drink water, drink water. Um, I do like, I do very minimal warmups to be honest. Uh, I do like the yawning, which like stretches your jaw and kind of gets that like, like ready. And I do like uh, lip rolls, which is just kind of stuff. And like, um, very like low, like kind of rumbling in my throat, kind of just like, a, kind of like a thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I, compared to other people, I'm like still a novice. I don't, I don't know how I scream or why I like, why I, what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing really. I just kind of have gotten to the point where I know how to do it naturally that I don't screw myself up. You know, um, I wasn't like, I never took vocal lessons. Um, yeah, I've just kind of been flying by the seat of my pants for the last 18 years. I mean, they say fake it till you make it right. So I, yeah. I think the key though, like a, a lot of people don't realize maybe even though those sound like little things, like all those things open up different parts of the throat and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, maybe you don't need a vocal coach, but you do need how to take care of yourself and your voice uh, because it's very easy to, like you were saying, mimic to some extent, these other artists that are screaming or growling and things. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then the next day you have no voice for, you know, 36 hours. I've, I've been there and, and, you know, like just to be straightforward, every vocalist of, you know, there's no band out there where the vocalist is on top of it every day for their whole career there. There's going right. to be, it's your voice. It's, 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 it's going to take a little beating every once in a while, especially because talking to fans afterwards and talking to your bandmates while on the drives. And, you know, you got to try to, I try to like limit my talking, even though I'm like a big talker. That's my, my, my problem is, is like, if I, if someone's saying something near me and I want, I'm like, and I'm like kind of in the conversation, I'm going to have something to say, but I've kind of had to learn to be like, all right, put your headphones in. I just kind of like watch, watch a movie or something to be quiet and save your voice for the next day. Um, I mean, yeah, like everyone struggles. Like I know, I know music, I won't name anybody, but I know musicians that are in way bigger bands than hollow front and they they struggle with their vocals too. It's, you know, it's, it's just finding out it's, it's, it's knowing your limits and not like pushing yourself too far because if you do that then you could really injure yourself yeah well the voice is not an easy thing to heal you know what i mean because like you said you use it all the time and so if you fuck up your throat like you're you're down for a bit before that's coming back luckily i've never had that i think like i've rested like three four days like if it's but even like on our first tour back from the pandemic i had I had days where I couldn't talk normally. I was like basically whispering 
but I had to scream still, you know, because we had shows. So I just knew that as long as when I screamed, it didn't hurt because it didn't, then I was fine. I mean, it probably wasn't the smartest thing, but, you know, sometimes, you know, they say the show goes on. Right. Um, as you know, and I think if I was really injured, I would know. But I've never been to that point where it's like, oh, man, my throat's so bad that, you know, I need to, like, see a doctor or something like that. I also, on this tour, we've done pineapple juice on stage instead of water. Okay. And uh, that's honestly been really great. Um, we learned learned from our manager, from his vocal coach, that uh, 100% no sugar added juice actually helps your vocal cords in the moment more than water. Like you should still be drinking water throughout the day, but on stage, drink the pineapple juice because it like coach your throat vocal cords like immediately. So it's a little tip. Yeah, there you go. So hopefully some potential vocalist will hear that and, and use that as well. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you've got the the new album and everything, man. And it's been getting rave reviews for the singles that have been coming out off of it. And, you know, I think the big thing that I want to talk about on this, you just mentioned coming out on the first tour after the pandemic and, and COVID years. Let's talk a little bit about writing an album dealing with the pandemic and all the, the bullshit that goes into that. Um, you know, I, I didn't, when we went, it was like a year, it was a year into the pandemic. So we were kind of accustomed, I guess, at the point, um, obviously things were still masks everywhere you go. Um, we were in Pennsylvania when we recorded it and, um, it was pretty normal. It was, you know, it didn't feel like we're, you know, we, there's songs that we wrote that were kind of like from emotions that we had during like the beginning. Cause the beginning was really scary just because it shut down music. You know, it wasn't like, I wasn't afraid to die. I was just afraid right. that my career that I'd worked so hard for was kind of in the, in the shitter. Um, just as inning, you know, and I, I struggled with depression pretty hard because I quarantined for like two months, I think, uh, you know, and just sitting in my house and it was just really depressing. And a lot of depressing things were going on with like black lives matter protests and people, you know, anti-protesting black lives matter. And a lot of the summer stuff that happened in 2020 was like, wow, the world's coming to an end. You know, that's what it felt like. Um, but, you know, and now, you know, we're seeing the light now. This tour has been a lot less strict than um, than our tour with We Came as Romans last fall. You know, we've, you know, everyone's still, you know, like we wear masks, but not as, as much as we're not like, we were like chained to like a set of protocols. Like if you, you know, if you mess up the protocols, you're you know, you're done pretty much, but it's not like that. It's a lot more chill. More people I think are coming to shows, which is nice. Um, it's been, it's been great. Um, when we were recording the album, we were just kind of like having a good time. It was just, we were stuck in a studio and it was just us. It was us five. Um, and then we had like the two producers that we worked with and we were just kind of hold up. We didn't have like a, we had our van, but we didn't really want to drive it everywhere. So we were kind of just holed up in, yeah. in this like old radio station and we were just writing and, and yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff was done 
I would say like a year into the pandemic. So it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy anymore. Uh, The content, like you said, some of that stuff, obviously stemming from the beginning, uh, comatose, for example, you've been pretty open about how that has a lot to do with your, your mental health at that time, at the beginning of the pandemic and being quarantined and, I'm in the same boat right. as you, you know, I've, I've battled depression basically as long as I can remember. And I, I remember that early part of the pandemic where it was just like, Oh, like, so I can't, I can't leave my house. I can't, you know, like there was no way to really escape your thoughts. Um, and it becomes a pretty heavy place, right? Absolutely. You know, it's like I said, it was scary because like the, the whole world shut down. I was seeing bands of mine, yeah, but bands that I looked up that were on to the five days in winter with like eighty thousand dollars in merch that they just paid for, and like everyone is scrambling because they don't know what they're going to do, and you have to try to adapt because everything was like, oh well, now it's going to move to internet shows and like those kind of like you know the live stream shows, and people are trying to pump out new albums because they just have to. It was a weird time, you know, and I think we were pretty lucky. We benefited from it, I think, because we put out a, we had a full length that we were uh, called Loose Threads that was released like in the summer of 2020. And it was like probably the best time because everyone was at home and working from home and quarantining at home and they were all just wanting new stuff. And I think that really helped us kind of, you know, uh, push forward in that weird time period. Yeah, I, I've said several times on this show, like as scary as that time was, it kind of leveled the playing field in the majority of the music industry because it's not like you were out on the road competing with other bands. It was, okay, who's putting out music? Who's able to gather attention this way? Um, because, you know, even bands like Silverstein was on their 20th anniversary tour and they get shut down, you know, and it's like, Oh, okay. So everybody just sits at home now. It's not like a picking favorites thing where they could have been like, well, you're a big enough band, so you're still allowed to tour, but these guys aren't. It's everybody go home, figure out what life is going to look like, supposedly for the next whatever it was supposed to be, the next 12 weeks to flatten the curve or four weeks to flatten the curve uh, that turned into two years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still, we're still, you know, there's still, it's still happening, you know, COVID's still here. It's just not as, not as crazy as it was in 2020. You know, I think we've kind of learned to either live with it or just we've gotten to the point where, I mean, cause I got it like January and I was sick for a few days, but it wasn't like, it was just like the flu for me, you know, like a, like a yeah. bad flu. And I know, I know some people that have it and had it and they like had no symptoms. So yeah, it's just, you know, I think we're getting to the point where it's like, we can't be scared forever. You know, we obviously we want to protect the people that are, you know, the ones that will suffer the most from it. But it's like, you can't just hide and shelter away, you know, yeah. and miss out because two, two years is, I, I mean, it's not, it's not a very long time, but it's crazy to think that we've lost almost two years of time, you know, I mean having to do things a different way, you know, kind of, like I said, adapt. And some bands, you know, some bands didn't adapt or refused or 
just kind of i know a lot of bands that i haven't really heard of you know not really big bands but like smaller bands that i you know were doing stuff and then pan the pandemic hit and then they just kind of you know went away yeah just disappeared and it yeah it, it's terrible for obviously any band to have to have given it up but like maybe this is a bold statement to me the the perception that i have on that though is like obviously like some people you guys were probably in this boat you know took part-time jobs or whatever to to get by and pay the bills Mm -hmm. and still produce music and i think some others were like you know what maybe this isn't for me maybe this is my chance to to get out with an excuse that i can just say oh well you know the pandemic killed my band so that's why i'm out of it like maybe the passion level isn't there as much as someone like yourself and some of these other bands well it's hard to i mean it's hard to have passion when there's something when it looks like there's no hope <laughs> right um i mean i had my moments it was just like because like we had like three low i mean they're lower level tours now than what we're doing at the at current but um like we had three tours that were taking us to places we never played before at the time and those got canceled and it was just like depression you know automatically hit you know and it's like i was working a job and i you know everything kind of shut down so i was at home chilling you know just doing nothing you know staying away from friends and you know so it took a toll you know it was it was it was blindsided you know oh i think i remember back and i I remember being one of the people that are like oh this is this is not going to be a thing it's gonna be like a ebola or west nile or something like that you know it's like a big scare and the world's gonna just stay the way that it is i think you're like the swine flu or what h1n1 i think is what they end up calling it it's like all all these are gonna kill us and then it never did and i was like i was like covid's you know obviously it was coronavirus Time, but like asking ah, a few weeks and then it did not blow over it just spiraled yeah yeah and I, I think that's the crazy thing you know just from a mainstream media standpoint like if initially oh losing you they, they did this with h1n1 all that stuff um so I was in that same boat as you, like, oh, this must just be the next thing, you know? Um, and then obviously it wasn't, but I think the, the thing too, with the music industry is the depth that it struck, like touring bands, but also everyone associated with a touring band, whether that's your guitar techs, your, you know, merch people all the way into the venue, you know, like now yeah, the, the venue, venue staff, staff is gone. Bartenders. And, right. Like it, it hit so many facets and so many people and like i mean obviously everyone was affected to some degree but like my job i at the time i was an insurance agent i can do my job remote i saw very little disruption to my job you know right like you guys it's cool what the fuck do we do now like how do we move forward Luckily at the time we weren't like touring full time. So we still all had jobs that we, even though we kind of lost them due to the pandemic, but I, we were able to, I think most of us stayed working. Um, I think only one band member is still to this day, not had a job. 
he's he's still <laughs> chilling. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did some part time stuff and just made some money on the side and just tried to enjoy. You know, I think when when the pandemic hit, I realized I was like, I don't need to work like a fifty hour a week job that makes me depressed. Um, I'm gonna do. You know, I'm just gonna treat a job like a job and not like it's my. You know, because I think a lot of places try to make you sell your soul to them, you know, yeah. and they want you to like, oh, you're part of the team now. This is your life. No, this is my paycheck. My life is outside of here. Right. Right. And, that, you know, I'm 37. So I've I've been through quite a bit of retail and stuff. And it's amazing how many to your point, like, oh, you're part of our family now. And it's like, mm, this isn't a fucking family. Like, don't play that shit no. with me. No. I'm here to make a paycheck and go home. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so let's dive into the price of dreaming. Uh, it comes out in a little over a month, about a month and a half now. Um, May 27. Talking, so coming out uh, via UNFD, um, who has some incredible artists on that label. So maybe let's start there. What's it like, you know, partnering with the label UNFD and having the if you look at their roster right now, like they're kind of the metalcore, hardcore type band center for this industry. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we had a few different offers at the time, and UNFD just seemed like the best bet for us. Um, they're just, they were the coolest, I think. Like they just felt more down to earth. Yeah. And yeah, the roster is amazing, you know, um, Era and like Maz the Flames and a lot of the, the American bands that they've been picking up is, is cause I, you know, when we, when we joined, they were kind of like talking about they're expanding their American, you know, cause obviously they're like a, a Australian label based right. out of Australia. Then they have like a UK and or like Europe division. And then they were kind of just building the American division and yeah, like silver scenes on it. Like a lot of bands that I grew up listening to. Um, it's crazy to be like, you know, and I, I don't really consider us like next to them yet. You know, right. <laughs> I, I think that it's just it's cool to have the opportunity to be like, oh, we are on label with that person because, you know, and then you get to tour with those people and it's a lot of fun. Um, I, we're going on tour with uh, Void of Vision in the summer. They're off from Australia. Um, <laughs> they're on UNFD and it'll be kind of cool just, uh, to meet other label mates and kind of strike up relationships like that. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the big things, you know, like some people don't necessarily, for whatever reason, don't believe in uh, the relationship that a label brings with that, that side of it. Like it is so much easier for the label to step in and be like, hey, you know, we'll put some wishful thinking out there. Hey, Silverstein, we know you're booking this next tour. We want hollow front on that card so that you guys can kind of bring them up through the ranks a little bit, you know, and that may be a connection that you wouldn't have or an opportunity that you wouldn't have without the label being there. Yeah. I hope that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of bands that they have that I would love to tour with. Yeah. Um, so getting into the, the album itself, uh, you guys have already, like I said, dropped a few singles. Um, mm -hmm. they seem to be doing really well on Spotify so far. Uh, I say seem to be, you have 1.4 million streams as of us talking right now on uh, treading water alone. So 
what's it been like kind of seeing this? Cause again, you guys are quote unquote, six years old, but really the pandemic kind of was your, your jumping off point. What's it like seeing this success coming out now? Um, surreal still it's, you know, it's still doesn't feel like it's, I mean, we're doing really well, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it, even though we're right. touring. And, um, I think we're just pretty humble about it. It's, 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 it's satisfying because of all the hard work that we put in and in, into writing like loose threads in this album. Cause I would say those two albums are kind of the direction that the band is going before it was just me screaming. There was no singing. And once we added Dakota to the, to the mix and his clean vocals, like it just really opened up the door um, to like endless possibilities for the band. And um you know, and we we collaborate on this new album more than we ha- ever have before, um, all together. So it was like, it was just a different experience. Like I feel like every record's a different experience, but this one was like, just felt like everything with the pieces were fitting, and um, the songs we were writing actually, you know, we felt like they were authentic. It wasn't like we were forcing ourselves to write songs just because we thought maybe people wanted to hear that from us we just kind of still we've always stuck to that the mantra that like if it feels real to us then it should feel real to other people um we try to keep our lyrics you know try to keep our lyrics vague enough to where anybody can like interpret them and relate to them and uh yeah i just think like musically i think it's a step up it's a lot more technical um than we've ever done before it, it's still in the metalcore range all of our stuff is we're not really like a band that i i've never considered hollow front like a pioneer band or any we're not trying to you know we're not trying to uh reinvent the wheel you know we just right. want to be like a little a little spoke on it you know um yeah you know I'm not, i've never been like oh hollow front's the most original band there is i'm just we write music that we enjoy listening to and that we enjoy playing and that we feel is like I said, authentic. Yeah. And authenticity is something I talk about a ton on this podcast, because I think you're right. Like, at least for me as a, a fan, you know, even if you take music journalism out of it, which this is my 18th year of music journalism. So sometimes it is hard for me to, you know, separate that because it's like, I always listen to music with that little bit of a critique ear. But like, for me as a fan, if if the song, like you said, is kind of vague enough or whatever, where I'm like, shit, that applies to my life. Or, you know, I, I can remember a point where that felt like me, um, you know, those authentic connections, the long-term goal or the long-term success versus one hit wonders, right? Like if you intentionally write a song to be the, the next best pop song or whatever, uh, <laughs> like, sure, you'll, you'll pop off for that one song, but nobody's going to stick around to see who you are. But building that authentic fan base hopefully breeds longevity into what your career is going to look like. Yeah. We talk a lot about depression and anxiety, like basically things that, that fuel my, you know, my life. Those are, those are things that I've dealt with all my, all my life, like anxiety, depression, body image issues, you know, um, loneliness, uh, regret, um, all those like, you know, and we're not like a super positive band either, you know, and not, I don't write like 
I'm like, you know, I don't write lyrics that are like, we can do it and we can make it. And, you know, I think I mostly write lyrics from a standpoint that they're to help me. You know, it's kind of like getting those words on, on paper or, you know, as lyrics is kind of, um, it's a lot more freeing than just like talking to somebody about it or, um, cause I've never been good at that kind of a thing. Well, and I, I guess it's just, especially like the, the way that you get those lyrics out, right? Like being a heavier band, screaming some words feels a lot different than just sitting in a room, not taking away from therapy at all. Like obviously if someone needs therapy, they should go to therapy. But yeah. like sitting sitting in a room talking to someone is much different than getting up on a stage and truly letting out the emotions that you felt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a few shows on this tour because, I mean, we've, you know, as, as awesome as the tour has been, it's been a little rough for us. Um, but we, you know, there's a few shows where I've gotten emotional on stage. One was my kids came to see my band for the first time and just like, seeing them over there just made me cry, you know, just seeing them stand inside stage and, you know, it's a big sacrifice having to leave your kids behind to do this. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, like I just let that emotion out, you know, through my performance and through writing, I would say I probably am more, more emotional when I first write songs just because it's fresh by the time we even get to play them. I, we probably, Oh, Sorry, somebody's calling me. I'll just ignore You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, um, yeah, so I lost my spot. Sorry. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> Got when, distracted. When you first start writing, or when you first write it, it's fresh. And then by the time you yeah, get on yeah, stage the, to perform. Yeah, by the time we play the song, sometimes like like there's songs like The Price of Dreaming, which you're playing on this on this tour. That's a year old song already. You know, like yeah. it. it, it it's been done for over a year. So I've listened to it probably a hundred thousand times. Um, so by now, I mean, but new things have kind of happened in the last month that have kind of changed the meaning of that song for me, even, even a little, just from new personal experience, which I think is kind of, kind of cool. It hasn't really felt like that with other, like with other stuff we've done. Um, it's just cool to see that sh the little shift in perspective from personal experience. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about music in general. Like you said, you keep everything vague enough so that it can apply to all these different situations. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I've got songs that I, I love from certain artists, Silverstein being one of them that like what a certain song may have meant to me when it came out, isn't what it means to me today, but I still right. love it for, for different reasons, you know? And I, again, I think, you know, you being so, open and and direct but indirect about like mental health and stuff through your music is also you know a reason that people are going to gravitate to it and going to build this connection where hopefully again you know long term six years from now we'll have this conversation again and you're going to go you know looking back like this Did I lose you for a second? Yeah, you froze on me for a second. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, no, you're good. Uh, basically, you know, what I was getting at is with you, you know, being open and honest about your mental health within yeah. the songs, even though it's vague, 
it's going to hopefully build those connections, you know, that we all connect with different songs and six years mm-hmm. from now, conversation six years from now, and it's going to be like, Oh shit. Like this is why, you know, that authenticity that I started building is why I'm still here now, 12 years into this band. Yeah. I hope, I hope that we're still around tw- in 12, <laughs> six more years. That would be the longest. I mean, cause like I said, I've done 12 bands. So 12 bands over what six years so it was 12 12 bands in 12 years so some of them some of them didn't last very long you know right um it was it was uh but i learned something from each band you know it wasn't like i didn't take anything from them the experience i think by the time i got to holofront i was a little bit more wise still didn't know shit uh still don't compared to most people um but uh yeah, I think it was, it prepared me. Um, and I, like you said, you said earlier that like songs you listen to you and you were younger, don't really relate to you as, but you still love the song. They don't just don't relate to you as closely. That's how I feel about Holofront's earlier stuff. It's like when I was writing those lyrics for the first EP home record, it was just like, that's not who I am at all today. It's weird to like go back and listen to those songs and, I enjoy listening to them, but it's like, that's not who I am anymore. It's like, right. Like more close to what the price of dreaming is about. And it, it's, it's almost like a personal journey, you know, with each album, which is cool to see. Yeah. I've often referred to it as like chapters in a story, right? So each album, each EP is kind of a chapter for a snapshot, a photograph, whatever of this is where I was at in my life at this moment, you know, and, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all grow up, we change, you know, our viewpoints change. And I think that's, again, one of the beautiful things about music is like, unless you intentionally pigeonhole yourself and decide I'm only writing this type of song ever, your music can grow and change with you as you mature and go through life struggles and all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk briefly about kind of with uh the price of dreaming so i've listened to it a few times since the the team got it over to me i'm a big believer that the the first two times at least you should listen to a record start to finish right in order don't skip around don't just grab a song whatever obviously singles get released because they're the attention grabbers for mm-hmm. you how important is that st- that song layout when you're laying out the album, you know, do you think people need to listen to it front to back at least once? I think, I think so. Yes, for sure. It's definitely. Hold on one second. I mean, you're fine. Hey, <laughs> chillax. All right. Sorry. Got people <laughs> coming good, in man. the hotel room. Um, so yeah. Ask me the question one more time. Sorry. So no, like, so song layout on the album, obviously it's laid out in that, that order for a reason. Singles come out whenever they come out based on. Okay, I, remember, I remember the question now. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think people should definitely listen to it all the way through like song by song in order. Um, I don't think it's like, we never, we, we didn't write, write it. Like we, this first song is the first song we, it was all put together afterwards. Um, like we wrote all the songs and then we put them in order how we decided to do it. But as many times as I've listened to it, it's definitely it. The order is really like important. Um, 
So it, it's something that, yeah, definitely the, the first song and the last song just like, and it just, it just, re- it's cool. Cause when the song, like if you listen to it on like repeat, the album on repeat, it like kind of starts and ends like really well. It like kind of flows um, right together. Yeah. And that's kind of how I am. Like the first two times I'm a firm believer that like it absolutely has to be front to back because the way I do it is the first time I listen to it, it's kind of the, the surface level, listen, just what catches my, my vibe or whatever. And then that second time is digging into like, okay, what's he talking about? Like what, what lyrics are going to hit me? Things like that. Um, But I've got friends and I, I use that term very loosely when it comes to this, because like, they will refuse to listen to an album front to back. It's always like, I, yeah, I had it on shuffle, like, but it was laid out that way for a fucking reason. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I never listen to albums on shuffles. If I'm going to listen, I listen front to back. But uh, there are albums where I'm like, eh, I like like two, three songs, you know? Right. I'm not um, opposed to picking songs off of albums, but like, mm-hmm. don't just hit, especially the first time you listen to it, don't hit shuffle on a fucking album. Very true. Um, so let's talk briefly again, um, about kind of what 2022 is going to hold for you. Um, obviously there's still some stuff up in the air and there's, I'm positive some stuff that you're not quite yet allowed to, uh, announce and everything, but we've got the album coming out in a little over a month. What, what does 2022 look like for hollow front at this moment? You know, tours, music videos, kind of what's your plan, I guess. I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but we have a new single that's coming out on April 13th on um, a music this, video. This will come out. Give me one second and I will tell you. Yeah. This will come out on the 20th. So you're good. The, the new so single yeah, will be out. <laughs> yep. Our new song, Heritage, will be, have been out for about a week when this airs. Um, and then, yeah, we have the release of the album, obviously. And then we are doing a tour with August Burns Red. We came as Romans and Void of Vision in the summer. It's a pretty big tour. It's almost the majority of two full months. It starts July 15th and ends August 27th, which is my birthday, which is cool. Um, Yeah, today's my birthday. Oh, today's your birthday? Happy birthday. Thanks, man. Working on your birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Figures we're talking about my birthday and you just cut out. It's all good. Man. Happy birthday. Bye. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a phone call and I push in, but it answered for some reason. It just yeah. it's all screwed good. me. Yep. All good. Um, so yeah, your your tour wraps up on your birthday. Um yeah. we've got the new single coming out. Uh well, it'll be out when we get this live. Um we're doing a Blue Ridge Rock uh Rock Festival. Awesome. Um that is we're actually announcing that today at 8 p.m so by the time this airs that'll already be news as well um after that there's not really anything even if i had even if i wasn't allowed to say anything we just don't have anything in the pipeline really after the august burns red but that you know who knows that could change next week or right well hopefully you know we'll get that silverstein uh tour that we were joking about earlier and yeah, we'll give us that. that. <laughs> or we could go to like Europe if Europe is finally able to have shows. That'd be nice. It, yeah, it's super weird. I would uh, a few bands that I follow like from like Australia and stuff are like, oh, we're going to you know the UK for this, and then the next day it's like, oh, we have to put that on hold. Like UK seems <laughs> they're so up in the air 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the we had a couple tours that were scheduled and been canceled. Or we were supposed to go over there actually last month. Um, I guess it's April now. So February, we were supposed to go to Europe with Era and um, Dayseeker and Brand of Sacrifice, and that got canceled. And hope, hopefully, we get hopefully we'll get something later this year that we can do. Um, but I'm not like going to get my hopes up because I think I've gotten my hopes up for the last two or three. And it's like, eh, I'll just just wait until I know for sure it's happening, and then I'll get excited. And I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where like it seems like the second you start getting excited about it is when like the rug gets pulled out from under you. Like I, I know it's early, but you know, I'm getting stoked. I really want to go, you know, tour with era or whatever. And it's like, Hey, by the way, remember that thing we talked about last week? Uh, yeah. Fuck that right now. Like it's done. (laughs) Yeah. It's always the worst when you announce things and have to cancel them too. It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it looks like going back to the August Burns red show, uh, on August 23rd, you'll be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about an hour away from me. So I'm going nice. to try to shoot up to that show. Uh, Come on to the show. So, yeah. Um, that's really almost everything I've got for you. So one of the things that I, I want to touch on, though, for you is with we've kind of touched on it a couple times, I guess, with the mental health side of things. Um, being on the road, being away from family, obviously all that shit gets heavy. Do you have any like anything you do what takes you out of those moments when you're feel yourself starting to slip a little bit? Hmm. Honestly, I probably still need to work on this personally. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I've I've had depressed moments on tour for sure. It sucks leaving my kids behind and, you know, that, I mean, that's really the only thing that I'm leaving behind that, um, that is, you know, it hurts a little bit cause they're, they're still young and they, I mean, they're, they're happy that I'm doing what I'm, what I love to do, which is, I think I'm setting it. I'm hoping at least that I'm setting a good example that, you know, you don't have to work a monotonous nine to five job or, do you do what, do your passion. And if, and if it makes you happy, then, you know, it's something that you have to work around and, you know, cause there are sacrifices, you know, I, I don't have like a girlfriend or anything like that, but other band members do. So they have, that's, you know, that's, that's their struggle is they have to leave behind their significant other, their loved one and come out on the road with five sweaty dudes in a van, you know, and it's not perfect all the time. You know, it's, you know, it, I know I'm sure some people out there think it's just partying and having fun all the time, but it's really a job. Um, It's a job that I love, but it's still a job. And I think I, I'll I'll kind of isolate more when I'm feeling down, which, you know, isn't always the answer, but for me, it works just kind of do my own thing, go get dinner by myself or watch a movie or something that I've, that I consider my comfort like the office or something like a comfort show that I've watched a bunch that it's just like, yeah. Oh, well I need to just unwind. Um, I've written poetry on, on this tour. Um, just when I felt down, but for the most part, I'm happy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, um, it, you know, it's anything that's worth sacrificing thing, you know, any kind of like dream or, you know, it's worth it 
as long as you're not, as long as you're balancing, like I call my kids, I don't call them every single day, but I call them at least every other day, um, every three days. And I talk to them and, you know, they're busy with what they got going on with school and at home. So they're, you know, but just to have a few minutes just to talk to them, you know, it's just balancing that and not, not like pushing everything to the side just because I'm on the road. You know, I still have responsibilities as a parent. I need to still, my kids, my kids are being bad. I have to like still be a dad. You know, I still have to, I have to lay the law down a thousand miles away, but I will, you know? Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, but if you learn to balance and you know, it can, it can work. Yeah, absolutely. The office is one of my comfort shows too. I can't tell you how often it's just on in the background. So that like that white noise yeah. almost to distract myself absolutely. from everything else. It's, it's the perfect show. Um, <laughs> so I think last question I've got for you is one that I've times, but uh, it's been a lot of fun every time I've brought it up. What is a musical hot take that you have? Like, what is an like a shit opinion that you have about music? So, for mm-hmm. example, one of them that has been used um, a couple times now that uh, Iron Maiden is not the legendary metal band that everybody makes them out to be. Like, they're okay, but they're not as iconic as everybody wants them to be. I mean, I, I could say that about a lot of older bands, you know, like <laughs> I've never been an Iron Maiden fan, uh, like Metallica there, you know, I mean, the thing is, is I, I look at those, like, even if I don't like me- the music of bands, I look at them like, like Metallica is the most successful rock band or metal, you know, yeah. heavy metal band in the world and have been for the last 30, 40 years. Um, I look at them as uh, geniuses because they're rich as hell and they've they've learned how to navigate into that mainstream even though their music wasn't a mainstream staple at the time you know when they started um i don't know like a hot take i don't i I don't man i don't know i'm trying to think like i don't know if i have i mean i'm sure i have shitty opinions everyone does um i'm just trying to think of one that i mean I think I'm going to be stumped on this one, man. I'm trying to. No, that's fine. Uh, <sighs> I'll tell you one of mine that I used uh, is. So I'm a yeah, big spark. Punk give me some inspiration. Yeah. I'm a big pop punk fan. And uh, I grew up in the right era for them to have been important to me. But I think boys like girls is a shit band. I don't think if you take the nostalgia factor away from them, they did nothing revolutionary for pop music or punk music at all. I mean, they only had like two songs. Anybody knew. Right. Like, but everybody fucking <laughs> loves them and I don't get it. <laughs> I love those two songs. You sure. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, there's so many bands like that, that it's like they have, I have so many playlists when it just has like one or two songs from a band. And then I literally don't know anything else about them or I've listened to them and it's like, eh, you know, it's, it's okay. Like I, maybe this is going to be, maybe this will be controversial. <laughs> I think my chemical romance is, kind of shit to be honest and some some songs are great but then like for the rest of the songs i'm just like uh not my thing but i don't like i don't go around being like my chemical romance is trash you know i just (laughs) think that like it's just not for me so i don't listen to it and i don't you know i don't want to like i'm not the kind of guy that bashes other bands right um 
at least well, not publicly. Um, right. No, that's but totally I, fine. Uh, I'll say this. I'll agree with you on, on my chem. And again, I'm of the right age that they should be crazy important to me. Uh, but honestly, everything after uh, Black Parade, I don't, I don't give a shit about. Like none of it resonates. Yeah, I didn't even give a shit about Black Parade. I think there's uh, only like three songs on Black Parade that I even really care about. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the same for the album before that. There was like three songs, like uh, "Ghost of You" and "Helena" and shit. There's another one, and I can't even think of it the, at the, uh, off the top of my head. But I'm not okay. Or "Cemetery Drive" would be the other that I would give you. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were good. And that is like a Ben Sevenfold. I liked uh, one album by them. And then after that, it kind of just was like, I don't care about that band anymore, you know? And it's yeah. just like, dip. but, but the thing is, is though, both of those bands just escalated their careers even further by doing the music that I didn't like, you know, it's right. like, and I don't, as long as they enjoyed it, they weren't selling out, you know, but if you're just writing music to, to be popular, then you're selling out. But I feel like those bands kind of just were like, well, let's adapt it a little bit more to be more into the, the mainstream of things which is smart because don't you want to make money or do you want to play shows for 10 to 50 people every night you know i'd rather i'd rather make some a little bit more you know mainstream style music to play in arenas you know the breakdowns are only going to get us so far you know right (laughs) yeah no and i i think you're absolutely right you know i think there's a big difference between selling out versus adjusting to what is going to get you recognition or, you know, brought into certain circles. Um, but I, again, I think too, with that, like that goes into the authenticity, right? Like, sure. You could probably write the pop rock song of the year. If you were to sit down and just say, that's all we're going to do. But if you don't love what you're doing, then why the fuck are you doing it? absolutely that's that's and i'm sure there are musicians out there that are just like well i've been doing this for so long i hate it but i'm going to keep doing it you know and that's i'm sure that's a thing yep. um luckily like, that's not me yet i'm not jaded yet yeah no i feel like justin bieber might be on that list that like he just knows pop is all he'll ever be known for i mean that's cool for him he's a millionaire and uh, yeah yeah no i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't complain about the bank account <laughs> Awesome, man. Um, so that's everything I've got for you. Obviously, I'll link the socials and stuff, but where can people find you guys? What can they expect online? And and kind of what's the best way to interact with you guys? Um, we have a Facebook group called HF Community that's kind of like where we have like more of like an intimate relationship with fans. You know, we get to know them a little bit better so that when we meet them at shows, it's like, oh, hey, I know this person, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, on our all regular socials too, like Instagram, I would say Instagram is where we're most active. Um, just at hollow front on Instagram. Um, we have like a Twitter and we have Facebook too, but I feel like for me, I feel like Facebook is a dying platform or has been dying for a while. Um, it's on, it's, you know, it's on the, it's on its last breath, but, uh, Instagram is where we're most active and Twitter is, I think I'm, Twitter is about as active as Facebook, so not very much, but I still post there. Um, but yeah, Instagram, we have a TikTok, but I'm still trying to navigate that as a 30-year-old man. Um, I feel you on but that. But other than that, Instagram would be, we we check DMs, we, you know, we message people back, and we, uh, as long as it's not something like, 
oh hey what's you know what's what's your favorite color you know like, don't don't right. try to like message that kind of stuff <laughs> if it's important uh go ahead and message yeah awesome man i appreciate your time um looking forward to the next tour since you know this one's almost over and i didn't get to catch you guys on it uh so you know we'll be out with a day to remember um you know to check you out in fort wayne hope the rest of this tour goes well hope that you you know travels are safe and all that shit like people that's something a lot of people just take for granted you know like casual fans they're like oh no like they've got it easy man there's some fucking long nights in vans to get to the next show so (laughs) hope all that goes well and you know no travel issues thank you so much man i appreciate the appreciate the talk yeah absolutely i'm gonna i'm gonna head to the beach I'm jealous as fuck about that. I'm going to go get food, but not at a beach. (laughs) All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thanks, man. You too. Happy birthday again. Thank you. Yep. Enjoy. Bye. And that was my conversation with Tyler of the band Hollow Front. Um, As always, hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a great time talking to him. Um, You know, it's one of those just awesome things that I get to do where, you know, we're talking to these artists that are outliving their dreams. And, you know, Hollow Front is a band from kind of close to my neck of the woods, you know, just a few hours away. And to see them coming out of the Midwest, um, you know, a, an area where a lot of people assume that they'll never get to break out of and then to see artists that are coming out of this area and you know putting on amazing shows and writing incredible albums it it's just awesome to see and it's really hopefully inspiring to a lot of artists that are up and coming or you know kids that are listening to this um you know i hope you take away something from that um, you definitely need to try to get out, check out Hollow Front on tour. They put on an incredible show. Uh, but also make sure you're streaming their music. Go give them a like, a share, a follow, all that sort of shit. Um, as always, I'll have the socials linked in the description of this podcast. Um, so you can check all that out. And that's everything I've got for you guys this week. Um, I will say some cool shit on the horizon. Uh, Be sure to check out next week's episode. Um, That's going to be a big one for this podcast. And then starting on uh, May the 2nd, we are launching Season 2 of Musicians for Mental Health. Um, If you aren't familiar with that podcast, last year I started it took a little bit of a break around the holidays and then had some other things go on that kind of ended season one a little abruptly, but uh, season two is looking incredible so far. have some really awesome artists that are wanting to be involved. And this podcast is an awesome experience for anyone that wants to learn more about mental health or the perspective of others through their mental health journeys and things like that. You know, we're not mental health professionals. We're not licensed therapists or counselors. 
or just people that have had our own experiences and have been on our own mental health journeys. And some of these conversations are really, really in-depth and really transparent. Um, all of them, actually, are really transparent. And the artists have been incredible and opened up and told stories about what they've been through. And I think it's an important thing, you know, mental health is one of kind of my keystones in my life. And this podcast in particular is something that I love doing. And I love being able to bring these artist stories to you um, and show you that, you know, there's so many people out there that have experienced similar things or, you know, maybe have went through the same thing as you. And they came out the other side. You know, it's never easy. It is never easy, but it is possible. And, you know, coming through that other side, there's an incredible story that you can tell. And that's what Musicians for Mental Health podcast is really all about, is telling those stories um, and letting these artists truly be themselves so that fans can listen to it, whether they're a fan of the music or not. You know, anyone can listen to someone speaking about anxiety or depression or, you know, anything that they've gone through uh, along their mental health journey and see correlation and, and relation to it. And that's why I've made this a major focus for us. So, um, again, that's going to season two kicks off on May the 2nd, um, which is going to be an awesome, awesome conversation that I had with a buddy of mine. Um, his name is Matt, but he goes by Minerva for his stage name. And yeah, I think you guys are really going to enjoy that one. And again, the, the future guests are equally as incredible. Um, and there's some just amazing people that are getting involved in this project. That's everything I have for you guys. Please, please, please. Like, share, subscribe, and follow the podcasts. They're virtually everywhere that you go. So whether you listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon Music, uh, iHeartRadio, odds are you're going to find my podcasts. Um, and, you know, it, it means the world to us for all the support that we're getting on that. And it's free. I do not charge for any podcast episodes uh, as of right now, and I have no intention to. I want to keep it free, but the more subscribers we get, the higher we rank, the more things that become possibilities. Um, and, you know, again, it's going to stay free as long as I have a say in it. So um, thank you guys. And remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.